Welcome to Brawny Conversations. I am Patrick Braun, your host. This podcast will provide our listeners with informative and entertaining discussions held with experienced people covering a wide range of topics. If you want to shorten your learning curve or just learn more about one of our topics, this is the podcast for you. Enjoy our discussion. This episode features Jordan Ainsworth as our expert guest. Jordan is a professional athletic trainer and private sports performance specialist at DST North, which is part of Dynamic Sports Training headquartered in Houston, Texas. Jordan has a reputation for changing athletes' bodies to enhance their athletic performance, specifically in baseball. Prior to working at DST, Jordan played basketball at the collegiate level and coached at the high school level. He received a Bachelor's of Science degree in kinesiology from Mississippi College and has a CPT certification through the ACSM. Since joining DST, Jordan has become an expert at prepubescent development and has become proficient in training athletes of all ages and all levels. His knowledge and experience continually prepare his athletes for the next level. Jordan has a track record of developing high-performance athletes, and in this discussion, we will learn who he is, how he trains clients, and why he chose to become a CPT. Enjoy our discussion. Welcome to the Brawny Conversations pod. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing good. Good to be here. Thanks for thanks for having this. Absolutely. How about this wonderful fall weather we're getting in Houston, Texas? Can you believe it? Oh, finally. Finally, man, I've been I've been waiting on it a little bit. And to be honest, I need to get the air conditioning in my truck fixed. And so it's, it's near about perfect timing. <laughs> That's right. Well, uh, in your line of work, you know, being a personal trainer, you do a lot of stuff inside. You do a lot of stuff outside. How did you manage when yeah. uh, we had I seemed like 45 days over 100 degrees? What do you do? It was a. Uh, yeah, how'd you manage that? Was it truck? Was the air conditioning in your truck? <laughs> no, no, no. It just recently, just recently, uh, so just recently went okay. out, and so I didn't have to go through the worst of it. Um, but this summer, it was it was pretty rough doing a lot of the training outside because sometimes we'd be you know on the grass out beside our um, our facility, and then sometimes we'd be on the turf running sprints and doing different things like that. But every time I wanted to find myself complaining about the heat, I just have to check myself and remember that I, I'm not the one running the sprints. I'm just standing out there. And so it kind of <laughs> felt wrong for me to, to complain about being out in the heat when I wasn't even doing all the hard exercise. And, that's awesome. That is so good. Yeah. Yeah. Your, uh, your astute clients that looked at the weather pattern signed up for early morning or late evening. Yeah. But uh, I imagine you had some in the middle of the day that were regretting that. They choice, were regret- so. the ones that wanted to sleep in. Uh, it, it didn't work out for them in more ways than one. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That is beautiful. Well, uh, man, let's, uh, let's start by just digging into your background. I know you were an athlete uh, you know, growing up and, and through high school and even into college a little bit. Um, and obviously now you're a, a personal trainer focused on ath- increasing athletic performance. Let's get to know you, Jordan, the athlete. And, you know, tell us what sports you grew up. What was your favorite? What did you dream of doing professionally as a young man? Give us, give us some of that background. Yeah. Um, so growing up, I'm, Early, I played a little bit of everything, um, pretty much all the sports, you name it, I did it. And then towards high school, um, about freshman, sophomore year um, is when I basically cut out all the other sports and I just 
basketball was my main focus. That's what I spent like almost all my time doing. Um, I went to a really small school in Mississippi, real small town, real small school. And so it may, it was a little bit different of an athletic experience than the, than the athletes that I find myself training at these big Texas schools. Mm-hmm. But I, um, yeah, basketball was my main focus. I played tennis as well, just through high school, more for fun and to kind of get out of class sometimes. But I, <laughs> sure, sure. I had, I had a lot of fun with it, but basketball is where I really spent uh, almost all my time and where I, about freshman years when I really just fully sunk my teeth and just went after that. And that's okay. what, um, when I pictured, you know, I never really had, um, I wanted to go as far as basketball would take me, but I never really had thoughts of like the NBA and stuff. It was, I was, I was pretty realistic with myself, uh, even at an early age and I wanted okay. you know, I'll go as far as I can, but I didn't have this, um, unspoken dream of like, I'm going to make it to the NBA or I'm a failure kind of thing. And so my, my, my goals was I wanted to play in college and possibly, you know, go to Europe and play and travel with ball and stuff like that. My sights. And I was like, well, let's, let's shoot for that. And then we'll see, you know, where it takes me along the way and how we get there. Yeah. So, so as a high school basketball player, what were your strengths? What were you, what were you good at? What were you, what, yeah, what so were you not so good at? My, uh, I always said growing up, I was blessed uh, with work ethic and not athleticism. And so a lot of, uh, <laughs> a lot of the things that I was good at was, uh, were skills that you could just train over and over and over and over. And so a lot of, you know, shooting was by far my best thing. Um, no matter where it was, three point free throw, whatever it was, I just I didn't really miss. But that's because I I could train it all the time. And mm-hmm. <laughs> like I grew up on a farm and I grew up. My dad put in a basketball goal out beside our house, but our house was on top of a hill. And so if I shot and made it then it would go through the net and just kind of bounce straight down. But if I missed, it would roll down the hill and I'd have to run about a hundred yards across a barbed wire fence and then <laughs> go get the ball and then come back. And so I had to learn pretty quick that like, you just don't miss and it makes life a lot easier. <laughs> That's pretty good incentive to make the shot for yeah, sure. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, like I said, I'm from a small town. And so I, I just spent a ton of time like, shooting dribbling and passing but i didn't really have like a lot of people that enjoyed basketball around me or a lot of uh opportunities available to me to really work on that and play with others and so i would just kind of invent my own drills like i'm dribbling one basketball and then i put like a piece of tape on the wall and i'm doing like behind the back passes with my right hand while i'm dribbling with the left and just stuff like that i started kind of making them on drill. So when it came to game time, um, I was real good, uh, like court, I could see the court really well. I could shoot really well. Um, no one was going to take the ball from me, but where I struggled was, uh, physically and mentally. So physically I just wasn't, I'm, I'm, I was a real thin athlete. Um, when I graduated, I was, Six two one fifty five maybe, 
And so real, real thin. So uh, it made it to where uh, I wasn't very physical when I was like driving. I couldn't really push any people off. And then it was harder for me to guard people because I just didn't have enough um, quickness to keep up with them sometimes or enough physicality. They could move me pretty easy. Yeah, I I was in high school um, 2006 to 2009. Okay, and and Mississippi at that time, um, what was, you know, the availability of of trainers and the mindset of, you know, strength training and speed training and dieting and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, so, yeah, it was around, but it wasn't around – a lot. And it certainly wasn't around the town where I grew up. Um, the town town where I grew up, there was okay. probably 3000 people in that whole town. And so if. Wow. Um, there for that area, there was a lot of really good athletes that came out of that area. But the ones that came out of that area were just naturally born gifted. There, there wasn't an industry of sports performance. And if there was any, they were about over an hour away. And a lot of people where I grew up, it was, it was um, not exactly the most um, affluent areas. So people weren't spending their excess income on training. So that wasn't really uh, a priority for many people. Yeah. And so you were pretty much self self-made or, you know, self-trained to get to where you could go. Right. Uh, or if you were a really special athlete and gifted, then you had that opportunity to keep playing. Now, did you have an opportunity to play after high school? I did. I did. I, um, I got a scholarship to play at Bellhaven University. It's a smaller school. It was uh, NAIA at the time. Um, but, the I was excited about it because, you know, getting to play anywhere after high school and, uh, especially coming from, you know, like I said, real small town, real small school. Uh, I was the only basketball player for my grade at my school. And so, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. Right. That's a, that's quite an accomplishment right. to get a scholarship. And, and by the way, uh, NAIA is a alternative Correct. to NCAA, but the competition at NCAA, whether it be D1, D2, D3, the JUCO D1, 2, D3, or NAIA are all outstanding and, and it's, it's real. So that's quite an accomplishment, particularly from your circumstances yeah. to get there. Well, and I was, I was pretty proud to get there. I mean, obviously I was proud because like you said, playing after high school at any level is an accomplishment, but even in the, um, in the NAIA circles, they they have a little bit different rules on um, recruiting uh, than the NCAA does. And so the team, the college where I went to it was the NAIA school, but it was very competitive for basketball because uh, at that time, it was recently after Hurricane Katrina. And mm-hmm. we actually had a lot of athletes that may have lost NCAA eligibility, but they could still play in the NAIA or things like that. So our, our team was kind of made up of this, uh, ragtag bunch of, bunch of, a bunch of athletes that were very talented, but this was their like other chance to play. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. So, uh, uh, that's, that's, (laughs) were you guys pretty good? I imagine you were with former NCAA 
Olympics. Yeah, right? yeah, Players. definitely. They uh, we went to uh, we went to the national tournament and made it to like the what, the round of thirty two, and so. So we did. We did good. It was the first time I think uh, our college had ever been to that national tournament and all that. That's it was definitely cool. like one of their one of their best years. Now I no. will say, I didn't. I I did not play. I did not play, and so that I don't want to make it sound like I was just took took the team by storm, you know. So the the I, I went there. I got a scholarship to play, and I went there to play. And, um, like, like we were talking about earlier, my biggest, um, downside as far as, you know, playing basketball was my physicality. And mm-hmm. so when I got there and, uh, I got a red shirt. So that way they were like, Hey, you know, skills are great, but physically you got to grow. And so, and I, I understood, I was fine with that because I, I kind of knew that going into it. Right. Sure. Um, and, wh- and what position did you play? Were you a guard? Yeah, I was a guard. And so in high school, I pretty much just did whatever, wherever. But then when I went to college, um, then it was more of a, a guard situation, shoot point guard, shooting guard. Okay. Yep. Totally um, understand. And, and that happens, you know, to a, to a lot of players, especially today, post COVID uh, a lot of freshmen that, you know, come into a new college experience. The majority mm-hmm. of them are either red shirted or, or, you know, or in a practice squad situation until they can get bigger, stronger, faster. So, right. That's well, true. And like I said, we had a lot of those displaced athletes and mm-hmm. uh, the average age of our team was a lot older than what would be considered normal. And so a lot of the players that were coming in had already had uh, playing time at other schools and colleges or things like that. And so, yep. You know, that's the, we're seeing that across all levels. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, what happens at, at, at JUCOs all the time is what you hear of is a bounce back. Someone who was playing a D one sport, their freshman year recruited, and then they didn't get any playing time. And then they bounce back and go to a junior college for their second year. So right. um, it sounds like that similarly was what happened to you. Uh, there. So what's uh so after your freshman year, where did the basketball go? What happened there? So I ended up, um, so, all right. So like I said, needed to get more physical, needed to gain some weight, needed to get a little faster, but also, um, I didn't touch on it earlier, but my other biggest thing that was kind of a hindrance to me was mentally, uh, I wasn't the best prepared to be an athlete that I felt like I should have been. But for me, it came in forms of not being aggressive and, um, uh, growing up and just naturally, I don't have that, uh, or I didn't at the time when I was playing, didn't really have that like killer instinct. I don't care if I hurt this person. I'm, I'm about to, you know, score this point or whatever that athletes <laughs> need sometimes. Right. Yep. And yep. so mine was more like, we can all be friends. Everyone can score a point here. You shoot the ball sometimes <laughs> like that. <laughs> so, <laughs> it didn't really, uh, not, not exactly the mentality that you wanted in your, you know, your star player or something. Right. Yeah. Good so, human though. Very good human. Yeah. Very good human. Not the best athlete. Uh, mindset and so but it's good when you can like be that off the court but then turn it on when you're on the court right yes um, yes so when I, at Bellhaven, uh, i kind of took my red shirt year and it was good for me to um grow both of those areas and so being being at that more competitive environment and 
having a little bit of a chip on my shoulder of like, man, I wish I didn't have to do a red shirt. I want to prove myself to the coaches, to the players, you know, all of that um, kind of made more of the uh, aggressive side of me, like start to grow and cultivate. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then where I started messing up uh, was my training to get faster and bigger um knowing what i know now the i can say this because the the person that was there is not there anymore but the 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 strength coach that was there um did not do a great job with um our training and a lot of the training that i was having to do wasn't very safe but because i was one of those you know, I was supposed to be a hard worker and all of that in my head. Um, I would do the training that was being yep. done and then we would go to, you know, um, okay. So, you know, we would have practice, uh, excuse me, we would have weight room. We would have practice. We would run sprints and then we'd be done. Well, I would do all of that, go to the cafeteria and then whatever weight room stuff and or sprints we had, I would I would do it again mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Oh jeez! And so oh, geez. it was like obviously not very smart, <laughs> but I was also that like yeah. just foolhardy, determined like I'm I'm gonna work harder than anybody ever has on the face of the planet. Blah blah blah, like that kind of thing. And um, yeah. Then ended up, obviously, your body can't sustain that. If you're really doing that um, long term, mm-hmm. your body can't sustain it. So then that's when uh, I started getting a lot of injuries. And um, long story short, that led to worse and worse injuries. And then I started having um, knee surgeries because of it. Mm. And then so that one year technically quote unquote on the team and then just started having more and more uh, injuries that led to surgeries. And then I was like, okay, um, um, I'm hanging it up because, um, uh, my body couldn't hang with what I was trying to make it do. And then I set myself back by having to need all the surgeries and everything. So, okay. Okay. Now I'm starting to put the puzzle pieces together and I understand here's this young kid that loves athletics, loves basketball is, you know, in that mindset that you're going to outwork everybody to achieve your goals. And, uh, that kind of blew up in your face a little bit. And, Mm -hmm. You know, my next question is going to be the built right on that foundation is, you know, how do you become interested in this field of athletic performance and training? And, I, and I'm going to put some words in your mouth, but I, but I think <laughs> your personal experience kind of drove you to say, OK, there's a better way and I'm going to help other people. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. The avoid I, what happened to me that I did to myself. Right. Yes, yes, exactly. And it was, it's pretty much, you got it there. Uh, maybe a little bit of, I wish the, I wish I would have known more. And so I did it to myself, mm-hmm. but it was also from a place of not knowing that the ins and outs of you need to recover. Oh, sometimes it is too much or 
knowing enough from a, like sometimes when things are hurting, you should just tell a coach rather than trying to suck it up. Little things like that. And so getting in, getting into yeah. the sports performance world was more of a, um, I always kind of looked at it as I wanted to be the person that I didn't have. And so I, like my parents were very, my parents were very, uh, uh, helpful and very supportive, but just from an actual like athletic, uh, environment, right. That yep. person. Yep. Well, let's, so let's, let's dive into this a little bit more because I'm very curious. So, you know, your basketball dreams are starting to get crushed. You're having these knee surgeries. You realize this just isn't going to happen. Right? right. When did the light click on to say performance training, be an athletic performance trainer? How did that haul come about for you? Yeah. So once I was done playing ball, I was, then it just became like, what do I, you know, what do I do next with life? Cause I, I spent, as most athletes do, I spent just a ton of time uh, with with ball. So, like, what do I do next? Um, I, w- I didn't know for sure, but I kind of narrowed it down to three things that I felt like I could see myself doing or that I wanted to do. Um, one of them was be a basketball coach. One of them was be a um, like a like a wilderness guide. For like expeditions okay. and, then, yep. <laughs> and then the other one was to be a youth minister and so those three things I, I was like okay well I think I want to I know I enjoy these things but I don't know if I can make a career out of them or do I really want to do it for the rest of my life so while I was in college I started taking advantage of opportunities to to do those things the high school that I went to, I started coaching, you know, middle school girls basketball. I was an assistant coach to the high school team. Um, on the weekends, different churches would have what's called Disciple Now, which is basically a chance for me to go be a chaperone to younger kids and and speak to them and hold Bible studies, things like that. Um, and then there was a few opportunities along along the college years that I um, – the, for the wilderness guy thing, there were some expeditions and things that I went on just to kind of dip my feet into that world and see how that actually played out. And just over time, um, the things that kept sticking out was I really enjoyed sports and I really enjoyed working with youth. And I wanted to combine that somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't enjoy coaching. I did not nothing against coaching or coaches. I, it just wasn't for me. Okay. Um, but I enjoyed sports and I enjoyed like working with youth. And so I wanted to combine those two together. So then I went back to the whole, uh, I wanted to be what I didn't have when I was growing up and I didn't really have an exact word for it, but I know I was, um, wanting so much more information about how to get myself better as an athlete. And so I just wanted to pursue that. And so when I was in college, that's why I focused on, um, kinesiology was my degree but then my minor was in sports ministry and so i didn't know how that would play out as far as where that would take me and then eventually after college i started looking um at um different companies to start work to work with athletes and that's when i found dst and then moved down here for that job 
Okay. Okay. It makes all set. That makes, that is a, you're on your perfect path. It's yeah. uh, it's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. It, yeah. It was, a, it was an exciting road to, to get here. That's for sure. Well, so, I mean, you're a CPT or certified professional trainer and I would understand you've got a kinesiology degree. Mm-hmm. Um, what else is involved to become a CPT? That's really, that's really all it is. You just have to take the certification test and the, um, the certification tests are really just to show that you have kind of a, a base level knowledge of the actual industry. So that way you're going to keep your clients safe. And, mm-hmm. but the, the certifications are just more, um, to get your foot in the door with different opportunities and or organizations. So that way they know you have some sort of competency, but then from there, it's more of a continuing education uh, that happens every day, whether it be from the training that you're doing in person or there's all sorts of resources online um, that help you grow in your knowledge of, of one, what we know about the body now is going to be different in five years, but same is true for as that changes, then so does the uh, mentalities and modalities for sports training. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that the association is good for continuing education and keeping you current. And, uh, you know, I mean, you didn't graduate too long ago, I guess, you know, you're approaching, but almost 20 years in a few years, yeah. uh, but, but someday that'll be 40 years. I know that's hard to imagine, but it happens. Yeah, hopefully <laughs> hopefully I'll make it there. <laughs> gotta stay current. So, okay. You mentioned DST, which is dynamic sports training, uh, several locations, not only in Houston, but across the country, I believe they're in Arizona and California as well. Um, and you work out of the North office here. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us a little bit about DST. I mean, you mentioned you found that, uh, you've been there for some time now. Mm-hmm. So tell us just a little bit about DST and, and, and what, what your role is there. Yeah. So DST is dynamic sports training and it was founded 15 years ago. The owner's name is Lee Fioki, and he started the company uh, by himself training a few athletes at a park. And then now 15 years later, we have, like you said, um, uh, six different locations all through the U.S. And we have Lee was the strength coach for the Angels for a few years. And then currently we have three or four, if I'm not mistaken, of our coaches that work at DST are also affiliate coaches for um, or strength coaches for affiliate teams in the farm systems. So it's really DST has really grown and we don't just train baseball players. We've we've had success and train all different ages, all different sports. But baseball has really become um, more more of most of our niche because a bigger percentage of our athletes happen to be baseball players, but we still train everyone. So when I was after college looking for a place to train or wanting to be a trainer, looking for a place where I could do that, I was looking for somewhere that was more on the cutting edge of things, Mm -hmm. training athletes. And I wanted to be a part of something towards the beginning ish So I didn't really want to go to a company that had already been established for 20 years or so and just kind of be another 
cog in the machine, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Um, I wanted to be able to grow with the company and I also wanted to go somewhere where there was a lot of athletes. Cause again, coming from a small town, I wasn't really used to that. And uh, the opportunities that come with being in a good area for sports. So found out about DST, um, shout out to my mama. She helped me find it. I gotta love moms. I gotta give her credit, or else yep. when she hears this, I might get a beating. But uh, <laughs> 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 but uh, but yeah. So we found we found that. Did some phone interviews, and then ended up um, signing up with DST. They've been DST's been around for fifteen years, and this will be my tenth year at DST. So I've been been here for most of most of that journey and it's been it's been really fun. When I started out at DST, you know, obviously I was just kind of a paid apprentice just helping whoever was in the gym. Mm-hmm. And then over time it went from just helping whoever was in the gym to now um I'm actually training my own groups, um you know, helping train the minor league group helping train the after after school you know high school group and then we had some ncaa teams that we helped train and i was kind of doing doing it all wherever they needed me to go and whatever they needed me to do and then after a while um like i said i just i I really wanted uh, at this point i knew i knew i loved training i knew i wanted to keep training but i wanted to figure out how did i want to keep training Cause even in training world, there's 27 different options of how you can go about training and mm-hmm. all of them feel kind of different. Cause I, I can train a college team, but you almost have to be a little bit more of a drill sergeant cause you have to control 36 people at one time. Right. And I can do that, but I just didn't enjoy it as much. And so I was like, okay, well that was cool. It was a good opportunity, but let me see what else I'm gravitating more to. And for me, it kept coming back to um, working with youth at that time. And so at that time, DST wasn't really doing a lot of youth training. They didn't really train a lot of athletes that were like under 14, under 15, mm-hmm. something like that. Um, we had some, but we didn't really have anything set up for it. And so I taught with DST and I said, let me, let me work on that. And let's, let's kind of get that started. And so I spent, I spent a few years kind of helping get that started for DST and, uh, creating like a, a youth, um, athletic development model kind of that we follow. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's more so of what can you do? with youth athletes, what should you do? What shouldn't you do? What helps in the most? Cause you wouldn't train a 12 year old the same way you would train an 18 year old, just like you wouldn't train a linebacker the same way you train a pitcher. Right. Yep. Yep. That makes total sense. And so learning, um, learning what to do or what, what should we do or how, how early can you train an athlete? And, you know, you could make up some BS about like, Oh, it'd be good if your kid, blah, blah, blah. But like actually knowing, and having confidence when the parent comes and asks us, should, should my son come work out with you? I can have confidence in my answer and say like, yes, I know he's young, but if you wanted to, this would be very beneficial to him. Or I could say, no, he's too young or I don't think he's ready. Maybe 
keep in touch and come back uh, after he matures a little bit, something like that. But that way I could have that basis for those answers and I'm just not just making it up. Makes that makes total sense. Now, as you've mentioned, you've created, if you will, a kind of a specialty, I'm not going to say a niche for you, mm-hmm. but, but you're pretty much a legend, uh, in, <laughs> in working with high school baseball players and helping them get to the next, next level, or if they're at the next level, you know, get ready to, to be better at that level. Right. Um, and, and so I'd like to pause here a little bit and just talk a little bit, cause I know you train with athletes in person, mm-hmm. but you can also train athletes remotely. And so I'd like you to talk just a little bit about how you manage that and how you, how you do that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so, well, and that's, that's what I was going to say. The last part of my training journey was at that time I was just working with youth, but then now it's transitioned to more of at DST, I'm a private trainer or a personal trainer. And so what that means is now, instead of having a group, I just train one or maybe two clients at a time. And that helps me really individualize each each athlete's training to like exactly what they need or what mm-hmm. will benefit them the most and that is what is where I'm at in the role that I have with DST now but that helps me with the online training and the remote training that you were asking about because I will whether I'm training someone in person or remote uh, the mechanics may be a little different but the thought process is still the same. Uh, we, we take the athlete. I want to know what their body is capable of as far as do they have any limitations biomechanically? Um, do they have any injuries that we need to know of? And what are their goals? You know, are they, mm-hmm. are they trying to be a pitcher? Do they need to throw faster? Do they throw fast enough, but their elbow always hurt, whatever it may be. Um, Obviously, every athlete wants to be bigger, faster, stronger, all the things. But specifically, what do they need the most and how can I help them the most that projects their career further and with the the let's see, helps project their career further, but with the least likelihood of retraction along the way. Yep. And so with the remote training, that's what I'll do. And it's a process of, you know, I'll communicate with the athlete and their parents, asking all of those questions, getting as much information as I can. When when possible, I try to do a video assessment with them Mm -hmm. so I can see their body move and get them to do just some body weight squats, see how their ankle mobility is, things like that. And then. Uh, it's a weekly, it's a weekly communication of being in touch just to make sure everything's going well. Usually I'll send new programs every two to three weeks, depending on what phase they're in of the training, because are they in, in season, off season, post season, you know, wh- whatever it is, um, the phases may change of the training and how fast we need to change cycles. But it's a constant communication of, you know, every few days, how's the body feeling? How's your arm feeling? Um, and then when it comes time for a new program, I'll send them the new program and any th- exercises that they don't know how to do. Um, they tell me and I have videos available for them. So then that way they're able to perform them correctly. And then oftentimes they may 
film some of their reps during exercises to show me. And that way I can see how their form's going with yeah. a certain exercise that may, we may be working. And then the last thing would be the nutrition aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Very important for athletes. And one that I don't think most athletes make the most of with their opportunities. And so I'll work with my athletes on the nutrition side of things and I'll get them. There's a free app that I use that I get my athletes to track their uh, food and it'll tell me like their macronutrients, not Mm -hmm. just their calories. And so then that way I'm able to make recommendations off of that for the athlete. And I really like doing it this way because I could tell an athlete, a high school athlete, like, Hey, I need you to eat grilled chicken and rice. I need you to eat salmon and sweet potatoes. And if they're very motivated, they'll do it. But the problem is, what do I do when I'm out of town for a tournament? Mm -hmm. What do I do when I've eaten the same thing for four weeks in a row? Mm -hmm. And so it's more about that consistency and sustainability of being able to eat towards your goals, but for a long amount of time. And so when I have them track their food on that app, it'll tell them their macronutrients of carbohydrates, this many grams, fat, this many grams, protein, this many grams. So rather than me telling them exactly what foods to eat, I'll tell I'll give them goals for their macronutrients. And then as they track their food, they can look and say, uh, oh, I need to get to 200 grams of protein and they can pick and choose what foods they're eating as long yeah. as they hit their macronutrient gram goals. Yeah, what you're what you're really doing is is teaching them how to eat and fuel their body. And th- it's a life skill that they'll take from well after they're done training with you. They may they may achieve their goals, they may not achieve their goals, but they're learning how to how to eat healthy and be healthy for the rest of their life if they continue to follow those protocols, right? Because we know yes. all calories aren't equal. Exactly. Exactly. And and I, I love the carryover that you can learn from just doing that. It it plays so much more than just trying to be a better athlete. Cause one, okay to get your food under your eating under control, that takes willpower that if we're honest, most people don't display on a normal daily basis. Mm -hmm. So if they're learning that skill as a kid, that's a good thing. But then also it, uh, teenagers aren't the best at planning ahead. We all know that, but if they've practiced with their food and they know, okay, I'm not supposed to go over a certain number of, grams of fat, but, uh, tomorrow night I'm going out to my friend's birthday party and they're having a bunch of cake. So then they have to plan ahead of time to change their meals. So that way what they're eating, that cake doesn't mess with their actual macronutrient totals. So they mm-hmm. have to change their meals ahead of time. So it helps them develop that willpower. It helps them plan ahead and it, t- it helps them a little bit from a standpoint of like learning how to quote unquote budget, if you will. And that's a, to me, that's a mental skill that it just happens to be with food. Cause I want to be a good baseball player, but that easily carries over into future planning as an adult. 
budgeting and, money as an adult. All yeah, it does. It does. Well, and, and so, you know, athletic performance is really kind of a, uh, a three-headed monster and, and and let's you know set aside athleticism because you know you either have the athleticism it requires or you don't it's hard to develop athleticism but the three things you can develop right and, and also working hard i mean you've got to you've got to work hard but the three things that i see that you you address with your clients obviously the strength training and performance would be one the nutrition would be two. And then I've been told that you also, while you're training your athletes, you're working with them on their mental side as well as kind of a bonus. Uh, <laughs> can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I can. Um, I, I definitely do work on the mental side of things. I think it's, it's more so of, um, it's, <sighs> it's more so of my personality and it's something that I can't not do if that makes sense. And I, I enjoy, I enjoy being able to use my platform as a trainer to influence these younger athletes in a good way. Cause I think a lot of times, um, Coaches and trainers don't may not realize how influential they are on the younger athletes. Mm -hmm. And when I was younger, I remember wanting someone so much to like explain things to me, to show me things, but also like teach me things. Like I said, I, I had great, a great family, great, very supportive, always there for me, always helped. But a lot of the situations that I was in growing up, uh, whether it be sports or even, you know, scouts outside of sports, things like that. I always found myself in situations where I was the oldest one or the only one. And so it made it to where I was kind of thrust into a quote unquote leadership role or figure out things on my own along the way. And so I didn't really have that, that older guy that you could ask questions to or learn from, or a, a, a mentor that was closer to my age. I had my, my grandparents, my parents, but not that kind of big brother type, uh, okay. mentor. Yeah. And that, and that's what I wanted to be. And that's okay. one of the reasons why I enjoy the personal training so much, because while I'm working out with my athletes, um, obviously a lot of my athletes I've been with a long time. Most of my athletes, I'd probably say average, even if they don't play in college, average time, an athlete probably spend four or five years with me. And wow. that's, through, that's, that's a long time. It is. It, well, OK, let's say average, maybe three or four. But yeah, around four years, probably, because I know I've had athletes that I've been training for nine, ten up to now that I've been since I started here. That's and, incredible. It's it's it really is awesome. But that's what I enjoy the most about it, because as we're training, you know, that we're getting closer. We're building a relationship because we're training with each other and we're having fun. And uh, as you get closer with people, you end up talking about things beyond what you're just sitting there doing. And I enjoy being in that role of I'm not a friend who's exactly their age that they may not want to admit certain things to, yeah. but I'm also not a parent 
or an adult in their eyes that they're not allowed to talk yep. about certain things. So good. And so I'm in that gray area of like being a being an old kid in their eyes. But yep. the, 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 the best way I can explain it is being a big brother. And so well, and, and here's the here's the here's the cool thing. Right. Also, I mean, so you're impacting these three elements we've talked about, which is the physical, the nutrition, the mental, which assuming you have the assuming you have the athleticism for your, your sport and assuming you have that hard work discipline, right? You're not going to get to the next level without those two things, but you have to be addressing physical nutrition and mental together. And, you know, here you are with these clients that average four to five years, you've had some that have been with you nine or 10 years. That's just proof positive that, that the medicine you're giving them is working because they wouldn't continue to come back if they weren't getting better and achieving their goals. Right. So that's right. the beautiful thing. You're not hopping around. It's, it's man, I'm progressing with Jordan. He's helping me reach my goals and man, I really like him and he's helping me get to my, you know, achieve my dreams. So yeah. I'm coming back. Yeah. What better, yeah. what better ad is there for Jordan than that? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I appreciate it. Well, and that's uh, if that's what feels the best. Like you said, it's it's one thing if like consistency is always the most impressive thing to me from an athlete perspective or a trainer perspective. But like you're saying, if the relationship stays consistent, then that's extremely impressive because it it's one thing if you just kind of show up and train with a trainer and you make some progress and then you you both dip out and go your own ways but staying together for long amounts of time yeah i mean if you're just going to dip in dip out you might as well just burn the money right right exactly <laughs> burn it exactly so so if you're i mean you've been training now at DSC for 10 years just just mm -hmm. ballpark just give me a swag how many athletes do you think you've trained over the 10 year period of time. Whew. Do you mean, okay, now we got a preference. Are we talking about like just my private athletes or athletes that just, I've had some well, give, sort of touch. Give, give us a range. Start, you know, so private would be in the low end, right. And the, and the total athletes are behind. What I'm trying to get to is, is this is the experience that, yeah. you, you know, that you've, you've gained that, that differentiates you from someone who's just hanging a shingle. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, so. Oh, man. Sorry. I know I'm hitting this one out of the. Blue. No, no, no. You're good. You're good. I'm fine with that. I just uh, I, I want to be I want to be accurate, you know, and so but um, I'd probably say, OK, well, we can do it this way. So uh, private clients of just like they're just my guy. And when we've been doing our own thing, um, I'd probably say. Up, uh, probably close to 300 or something wow. like that. Yeah. And yeah. ish. Right. Cause yeah. we just get, we're ballparking here and then just clients in general just helped while being a coach at DST with all the groups, you know, it's, 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 it's way above a thousand. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean that, and that experience is, you know, you're getting better. And your clients are giving you feedback. And mm -hmm. I mean, how powerful is that? Right. What what how much better are you now than you were 10 years ago when you first started? 
<laughs> better, way better, way better, way better. I mean, you know, I was always good. Don't get me wrong, but uh, <laughs> if I wasn't getting better, then I'd be, I'd be not doing my job. Hopefully. <laughs> oh, it's so good. All right, so uh, this would be a great opportunity to to share some of the successes that you've had with your clients. And, uh, you know, I don't have a list of them. I mean, I, I just love for you to tell our audience about some of the ones that you're really proud of that, that stand out in your mind and, and they can be really anything. Just give us a few of those if you could. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, okay. Um, I'll probably say like one of the first ones that comes to mind, there was an athlete who, you know, won't, won't say names, but there was an athlete that I trained that was already a good athlete. And then they, um, uh, they were already a good athlete before they started training with me. We were able to work together and then he ended up, uh, getting drafted in the first round out of high school. Wow. <laughs> and so that was really good. Uh, it's, it's always to me, it's exciting when you take someone from where their trajectory is and then mm-hmm. I'm able to help them change their trajectory. Okay. At the end of the day, the athlete is the one doing all the work, but yep. if I'm able to have an impact in their, like I said, with the way their trajectory is headed, then that's very beneficial to me to know that I did a good job and to know I had an impact, even though they were the one doing all the work. That's really cool. Okay. So let's, let's dive into that one just a little bit. No names, but um, assuming baseball player, correct? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. Position player or pitcher? Pitcher. Okay. Pitcher. So what, um, what was the area that you helped them get better in to position them for the draft? So when, I talked with him and his agents. Uh, the biggest thing for him was he could, like at that time, right? Mm-hmm. He had touched 96 miles an hour just one time when it okay. was like the biggest game of the year and all that. Yep. But his big issue was he didn't have the strength or stamina to maintain velocity for the entire game. And so a normal game at that time he would he would pitch probably um 90 let's see when the game started he would be 90 to 93 and okay. maybe touch 94 and then as the game went on and the innings went on he would dip down to about 88 maybe 87 okay um so what they needed specifically the most from him wasn't necessarily that he just jumps in velo to go up to hundred miles an hour or so, but yep. he needed to maintain a higher velocity throughout the whole game. So his, his normal range in a game would be like 88 to 94 or 87 yep. to 95, something like that. Yep. And then after we trained for the summer and the off season, when he threw during the high school season, his range was 91 to 97. Love it. I love it. I think I could guess who that is, but I won't. I love it. That is awesome, man. That is, uh, that's exactly right. That's it. Not looking to, to cure cancer, if you will. right? Right. You're just, you're just trying to help the athlete be better. And in this case, it worked out very well for, for all parties, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Well, and that's the training that we did. 
that was our focus because it was more so like obviously if he throws harder that's better but his specific goal and the agent that they were talking with their specific goal was teams are worried that his velo drops mm-hmm. so it would have helped his trajectory so much more to have a higher floor than it would have to had a higher ceiling at that time yep so, okay that's cool that is that is so that is awesome that's perfect okay yeah. uh success story number two give me another one so this one's a little different but this one if i'm being honest means a lot more to me uh my dad actually became one of my clients really yes so this was fairly recently um he you know got covid um was fine but it you know uh, wasn't able to exercise and it kind of you know took him out for a little while as far as just trying to recover from being sick well, at that same time, he ended up having a hernia and needed hernia surgery. So mm-hmm. then double whammy, not being able to do anything. Um, but uh, also, as you know, normal, my dad's in fairly good health and all of that. But um, he his blood pressure was starting to not be good. And he oh lord i'm gonna get his age wrong but i think he's around i want to say like 66 something like that okay so he's and a young man yeah young man young man young man not as young as what i'm my normal clients <laughs> but that's actually something that uh, i've been adding to my training is adult fitness and trying to okay. see what um the athletes or the the adult training i call them seasoned veterans right oh yeah that sure, i'm training sure. i can relate to that <laughs> yeah yeah well maybe not <laughs> <laughs> so but anyway with him um he he's a hunter and he likes to hunt in colorado and that's where they live and he wanted to be able to get back into shape but he just came to me and he's like hey I know you've kind of helped me in the past, but I want to actually, I want you to be my trainer as if I'm not your dad. And I just want you to train me. I have this big hunt coming up in a few months and I'm at square one. I can't walk up the driveway without getting out of breath. My blood pressure is way too high. They're about to make me take medication for my blood pressure, all these things. And it wasn't like dire straits he was going to be fine but it was a if we're going to do something let's do it now and so after about eight months of training he ended up losing close to 20 pounds and his blood pressure went from it was like um I want to say it was like it was like 150 over 100 and now it's 120 over 78. That's so good. And uh, he just (laughs) finished his hunt, his elk hunt in Colorado, and it was at uh, 12,000 feet. And he spent a week up there just hiking all through the mountains and everything. And so it was a different when I help an athlete and they get a college scholarship or get drafted or something like that's obviously a big win. And it's so awesome for me to enjoy that with people, but to help my dad regain a quality of life that he wouldn't have been able to do on his own. Uh, that just, that just meant like so much more to me. And it went beyond just the, Oh, I lost some weight and I kind of look better. Like now the doctors are like, well, the doctors aren't going to make him take, blood pressure medication 
he's able to go on this hunt now and, and, and do more things, you know, that he loves to do with the exercising and being outside. So, man, I, <clears throat> Jordan, that is a great story. Thank you for sharing that. And, uh, you know, I am an older guy, man. I'm over 50 and, um, I subscribe to a, co- a couple things. And, and, you know, one of my, one of the sayings that, that I use daily in my life is if you're not growing, you're dying. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as you get older, you got to keep moving. And it's, you just pointed out a few things. I mean, the American condition is, Hey, if you're, if your health isn't good, then you need to get on medicine and, you know, your doctor puts you on medicine. And, and there are times when you absolutely need to do that. But, you know, I would always say, and you just did it for your father. Hey, let's get some exercise. Let's get some nutrition. Let's lose 20 pounds. And guess all what? All of a sudden he's doing what he needs to do and he doesn't have to go on that medication. And, uh, you know, it, you always, I don't know. I always say you gotta, you gotta, you gotta look at your plate first, look at your exercise second. And if those two things are right and you still need the medicine, then great, but don't go to the medicine first. Right. You know, and, uh, what a great story, man. That is yeah. absolutely awesome. Yeah. It was Love awesome. It. I was, uh, I was, I was, I was real proud of him and, and, uh, just excited to be able to, to share that with him. And there was a couple of times I was like, all right, look, my, I'm putting my trainer hat on. So this isn't your son talking to you for the next five minutes. So we had to have that separate conversation <laughs> sometime. Well, I mean, that's the beautiful thing. Diet and exercise can change so many things for the better. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but it's not easy. It's, you know, it's easier to, to not do those things. But, but I can tell every one of our listeners out there, if you just get your diet right and exercise just, just a little bit, just 20 minutes to an hour a day, man, your, mm-hmm. your world will change for the better and be incredibly positive. Definitely. Love it. All right. Do you have one more success story for us? I do. I do. It's, um, it's, it's not necessarily, uh, a s- specific one person, but, um, it was probably, um, one of just the whole thing combined was one of my best success stories. It, the, my graduating class of 2020, um, the, or excuse me, the clients that I was training that graduated okay. in the class of 2020. Yeah. Um, that, that year was my most successful year as a trainer, just as a whole from the standpoint of, uh, not the number of clients that I was bringing in or money or anything like that. But that one graduating class was my biggest graduating class. I had 16 athletes in that graduating class that I was training. Wow. Yeah. And all 16 of those athletes got college scholarships to play. So wow. Wow. That's so huge. That, <laughs> yeah, that was big. That was big. I was, I was really, uh, I was really excited when, when the last one came, I was like, you know, after, cause not getting a college scholarship is very normal. It's hard to get one. And so as we're working through, uh, and just, they just kept the dominoes kept falling. I was like, Oh my God, we're about to get all of them. And so I was waiting on the last one and I was like, we did it, you know? So that's incredible. That's really, that was an amazing year. Yeah. And it was a lot of the guys that, uh, that, you know, were in that year, a lot of the, Cypress Christian guys, yep. uh, like Clayton Dean, Luke Thompson, uh, Tackett and all them. Yep. Absolutely. And that's, you know, I've, um, 
my my older son Brady never worked with you, although I, I would have loved him too. Uh, but finally, we got my younger son Jackson. Uh, right. You know, post post high school, he yeah. uh, he decided he needed to come and work with you. And you worked you worked wonders with him as well. So um, now that he's playing JUCO baseball, he's on your program, and and I've seen some some great great results over the summer, which is fantastic. Man, great success stories. Thank you for sharing those. Would love to hear if you have any just crazy, funny experiences that uh, our listeners would enjoy and, and learn from. A lot of the funny experiences that our listeners can learn from, because I definitely have I have some that are just funny stories. But um, probably the first one that comes to mind is when I was first working at DST. I had been there for a little over a year. Um, I was helping train one of the groups that had our pro athletes in it. And there was, I won't say his name, but there was a NFL running back in the group. Okay. And uh, I, I was helping train that group, helping train him. And I was still in my early stages of, I didn't want to do anything wrong. I didn't want to mess up. Just how can I help learn as much as I can, but not get in the way, you know, that kind of mentality. And, uh, but I was still coming into my own as a trainer and, and, and getting more confident in myself. So we're in the weight room and we're, we need to go outside with our kettlebells to do a drill outside. Well, he walks over the running back, walks over to his kettlebell, bends down to pick it up and then like stops, turns around and looks at me. And he's like, Hey, won't you pick that up for me and carry it out there? And, uh, he, he didn't say it exactly like that, but I won't say exactly what he said. Uh, and then, so for like that brief instant, your brain's going really fast, a hundred miles an hour. And I'm like, okay, um, I've only been here for like a year. He's some NFL running back. Do I, you know, like I need to do what he said. No, I don't because whatever, whatever. And so I'm like having this quick war inside of myself. Uh-huh. And then uh, finally, I just like, I like I sat there. What well, felt like a few minutes figuring it out, but it was probably like just a couple seconds. And then uh, I just looked up at him and I won't say exactly what I said, but <laughs> the, the, the message was, uh, no, you're the athlete. You're going to carry your own weight. That's not my job. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> that was the message of what I said. <laughs> oh, that is so good. And how did he react to that? He probably loved it. He did. He looked at me for a second. He's like, all right, all right. And he picked up the weight and walked outside. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was awesome. That was a test. And, it was. It was completely a test. And I will say, from then on, whenever we were... It's not that he wouldn't listen to me beforehand, but from then on, uh, he he made an effort to, like, while we were training, he would ask me questions about the training. He yeah. would actually, like, take my input more easily when we were doing things. And so it really was a test that kind of, like, earned more respect in his eyes. Cause that's just kind of the environment that he came from. Yeah. That's really and cool. So that was a lesson for me of like, there's a time and a place to puff up your feathers and have that moment. And, uh, but you know, 
making a making a stand for yourself is different than just puffing up your feathers to to rile somebody up. Absolutely. You know? So so I have to ask you this because um what was it like to see that kind of athleticism in an NFL running back up close and personal? Because because they're built different. Oh, I mean, it wasn't any different than looking in the mirror every morning, you know, <laughs> it's pretty much the same thing. <laughs> I know you're lying now. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. You're right. Um, no, it was uh, it was awesome to see. Um, now, I will say little side note there. I, there are a few times in my life that I've seen athletic things that just my brain almost couldn't comprehend They're just like, I can count on one hand, the number of times I've seen something so athletic that it just didn't make sense to me. Really? Um, yeah. And, and, uh, um, one of them happened at DST and then the other three happened back home where I grew up, Which even so you- after, even after seeing all of, all right, this is an aside. This is an aside. We have to go down because okay. because I need okay. to know what these I need to know what these episodes were. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. All right. So the one that happened at DST, we trained uh, a receiver. He he wouldn't mind uh, NFL receiver named Reggie Williams. He played for the Jacksonville Jaguars, okay. and I was watching him do single leg jumps. You're on one leg, you jump as far as you can, and then immediately you just jump, 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 right leg, left leg, and it was just the the distance that he was able to get off of one leg but in a repeated fashion was was something that i talking about this one doesn't do it any justice because you just can't see it and like okay cool a dude jump far but when you've been in sports for so long and you see yeah. something like that you immediately know <laughs> it and i've never i've never seen anything like that just but like a one, kangaroo just just literally literally that's exactly what it looked like just just bouncy just bouncy wow um but the one so that was the one at dst the ones that i saw back home i'll just i'll just give you two for sake of time but we we played and well and this is what i was talking about back home we have in the area that i grew up in we had a lot of natural talent i don't know why but some of the most natural talent i've ever seen it just doesn't get cultivated because there's no you know, sports training or anything like that back home, yeah. especially when I grew up. But I was playing basketball and it was part of this like all-star event type thing. There was a kid that comes to play and he was from a different, uh, kind of close to where I grew up, but a different region. So we never played him. He was in a different, you know, uh, school class system or whatever. And um, he walks onto the basketball court Everyone's shooting around. He walks onto the basketball court wearing slides and he has a backpack on his back and a ball comes off the rim where he's like, you know, everyone's shooting around. He walks up to the goal. A ball comes off the rim. He inside's backpack just casually jumps up, grabs the ball, slams it down, dumps it. <laughs> but the kid is five, six. No, I swear. I swear. <laughs> and I just like stopped and I was like, what is this person? <laughs> so 
he later that weekend we played the all-star game or whatever and i'm watching his game it wasn't the one i was in so i got to watch his game the last play of the game he's shooting free throws he makes the first one the second one he kind of looks at his friend on the side and like makes a funny face he throws the ball he's shooting a free throw he's at the free throw line he throws the ball off the backboard takes one like half step in front of the free throw line jumps grabs the ball and dunks it and front like one step inside the free throw line no run and oh he's five goodness. six oh my now that wasn't spud web by any chance was it it was not i'm not that old it was not spud <laughs> web <laughs> wow but That's in person insane. right because i obviously spud web nate robinson like you have these little guys who can dunk and do these amazing things and you see videos of it, but free throw line dunk with no run being that's, that short. That's I've insane. never seen anything. Never seen anything like. No, you probably will never again. <laughs> I don't. I don't think so. And, wow. Uh, so then the other one that I had real quickly is I was, um, I was in a little town, and growing up, I just played little league baseball. We played little league baseball against this other town, and every year it was just us versus them. They were our rivals. We always played them. They always beat us because they had this one kid who was just amazing at sports. Well, he was amazing at sports like most towns have some kid who's amazing at sports. That's not the weird uh, athletic thing that he could do. What he could do that was the craziest thing I had seen was he was the fastest person I have absolutely ever seen in my life. And it looked like his feet didn't touch the ground. He just kind of floated and we would be like nine years old and there would be grown men coming from other games, not scouts, just grown men coming just to watch him run around the bases. And every person has these stories of yeah well when i was little there was this guy who could do this thing blah 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 it's like how do you really know like it just seems maybe he just seemed fast to you because you were nine well (laughs) as we grew up that kid turned out to be billy hamilton (laughs) who for the listeners who don't know is the fastest person to ever play baseball so far That is crazy. So, so it made me feel better because you know I have these memories of like this is the fastest person I've ever seen uh, on the bases, and then as time went on, he literally became the fastest person around the bases, and so that made the fa- or fastest home the first time recorded so far. And uh, what so, was it? What, what did he run home to first? I, d- I don't remember. I don't want to say it and it'd look, be wrong. I'll have to look that up. I'll have to look yeah. that up. That is awesome, man. So now oh it makes me gosh. feel more verified of like, yeah, it, I, I wasn't missing it because I was nine. Like it just, it was, he was that from the beginning. He was oh, just born awesome. that way. Yeah. Oh, such a good story. Uh, thank you yeah. for sharing those. That's good. And that, that does, uh, <laughs> Uh, those are great. Oh my gosh. Okay. Uh, so man, you've, uh, geez, you've been doing this 10 plus years now, mm-hmm. uh, trained literally thousands of, of athletes. Um, and you've given them, you know, or you've helped them achieve their goals, right. From 
you know, succeeding in high school to getting college scholarships, some playing professionally, uh, pretty awesome. And so mm-hmm. obviously we know what your clients are, are getting from this, but what I'm really interested in now is what are you getting personally from this pursuit? And this is beyond the income and, you know, you know, satisfying the needs of your life, but, but tell us the satisfaction level, right? What are the things that you're getting from this career that you've chosen? So, uh, working, working with young athletes and most of the time I, I have trained female athletes and I do train female athletes, but most of the time it's just younger guys to me, being able to impact younger guys lives feels more than just satisfying. It feels like a calling that has just been on me since I was really young. Even when I was in high school, I was trying to help the younger guys. And it was just more like a keep saying of trying to be what I didn't have. Mm -hmm. And so it's not just a satisfaction of I did a good job training, but it's more of I feel like I'm doing what I'm created to do in a way that other people couldn't not that I'm the best or not that no one else is allowed to do it, but just, I definitely do it in my own way. And because I have the freedom to do it in my own way and make, make that impact. It's uh it's a, it's deeper than satisfaction. It's just uh, a- a- answering the call. And it feels like um, I feel at peace when, when I have those, moments of being an impact. That's got to be a really nice place to be. It is. I'm able to do something that I truly enjoy that I feel like is my calling and then uh, make enough money to for, you know, my family to pay our bills. And I'm not lost on how rare that is and how much of a blessing that is. Um. And so it's one of my one of my blessings that I'm always grateful for when I'm praying. It, just how, it is how Jordan, important that does. You're right in the lane that God designed you to be in. And uh, you're making a difference in this world, which is which is really incredible. That's really awesome. So thank you yeah. for doing what you're doing. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um so, I'll also yeah. say well sorry, but from the Yo, go ahead. side of things. So that And then when I moved here 10 years ago, I didn't know anyone. I didn't have family in the area. I didn't know anybody. Uh, The biggest city I'd ever been in was where I went to college. Right. Um, So personally, through the years, I've been able to. When I was in high school, I didn't have that aggression. When I was in college, I got too much aggression because it was just kind of anger of the situation and trying to train and getting hurt. And so it was almost like uh, not a healthy aggression that I could take to training, but it was a sports one. Um, But through, through this journey of being here, training these athletes, spending all this time, it's helped me build a confidence that lasts longer and feels different than aggression. I'm able to 
have the confidence in the programs that I create, or I'm able to have the confidence to tell the NFL running back, like, no, you pick up your own weight. Like, and it's less of a me trying to prove myself or a me trying to dominate someone else. It's just, I, I know what I can do. I know what I'm capable of. I have the track record to prove it. And I'm able to rest in what I've been able to do and become. Yeah, that's, that's a really good place to be. So good. Yeah. All right. The so, last one, yeah, sorry. Yeah, I, I, I would be, I would be no in key. trouble if I didn't say the last one is that I was here by myself. I developed good relationships with the athletes that I trained. And there are a few families that have basically adopted me through the years. And uh, I would not have been able to do this all the way up to this point without them. Um, some of them it's, it's so little as like every now and then they were going to grill out. And then, so I would go hang out at their house and we would just have a barbecue together. And sometimes it would be, uh, um, like with Clayton Dean's family for a while there, I would go to his house and I would train him at night. And then his mama would cook everyone supper and I would just be included in the family meal at night and a lot of those things. And so, uh, through my athletes, families and being able to build those relationships and being quote unquote adopted into those different families, it really helped me see the, the benefit of having a community and, Mm -hmm. and having that family environment here because I wasn't able to be with mine so much. It really made a positive impact on me. And I was really thankful for the families and how they poured into me as I was pouring into the kids. Oh, that's awesome. Well, you mentioned the Deans. They are, they are a top shelf family and uh, Very much. really, right. Really good Christian people, great people. And uh, not surprised that you had that connection. So really, really cool. Love it. Jordan, what advice could you offer to someone who's interested in becoming a professional athletic performance trainer, but just doesn't know how or where to start? So the first thing that I would say is start shadowing someone who's already doing what you want to do. So make a connection and find a way to shadow them, meaning spend a few days, spend some time in their shoes to get an idea of like what it actually entails to do the job. Mm-hmm. Cause some people just want to train athletes. Um, and that's fine, but they don't know that sometimes that means you have to sweep the floors and mop the floors and sharpen the pencils at the place. Um, sometimes training athletes means, you have to move. Sometimes it people don't know that you have to, you may spend six, seven hours on the training floor, but then you may spend another four or five hours writing programs or emailing people or making schedules. So really understanding what all is involved other than just show up, tell people to squat heavier and then leave and then get to have fun. Cause we're just joking around in the weight room all day. That's part of yeah. it. That's part of it. But knowing what all is involved with it and getting a better idea of if that type of lifestyle is for you or not. That great, that's great advice. 
That's really good. Yeah. And yeah. also, uh, sometimes you got to work at 4 a.m. Sometimes you got to work at 10 p.m. <laughs> right. You do. You do indeed. You do indeed. And, uh, and then the next thing I would say is just uh, once you're sure that, you know, this is something that you're very interested in, I, I wouldn't I would just get a certification. I wouldn't go to I wouldn't go to school for it. If you're a high school kid and then you're going to college, then pursuing that degree is a great thing. But if you're out of college, I don't think it's necessary to go get uh, to pay more money to go get an actual degree. I think a certification proves the baseline knowledge and gets your foot in the door at a company. And then the certification itself, once you get hired by the company, it's I don't want to be shunned by the strength community, but it's, it's, it's really not important at that point anymore. It's just kind of proven your base level yeah. knowledge and getting your foot in the door. And then yeah, another way, it's just, what can you do afterwards? Yeah. College degree can be great. Right. But, but here's the deal. If I'm looking for a trainer, I want someone mm-hmm. who, who is current on nutrition, current on exercises and, you know, speed training and everything that's appropriate for the skill set. I really don't care if they took, you know, English 301 or <laughs> history, exactly. right? Or yeah. anthropology. Right. I really don't care. I yeah. just want to make sure yeah. they're expert in what they're going to do. And that's train me, right? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, the college degree is great. It's it, it's awesome to have that well-rounded experience. But yeah, if you're, you know, if college isn't for you, you might not have to get a degree to be a great trainer. So, right. although you have one and you are a great trainer, so you can go yeah. both ways. <laughs> That's right. (laughs) All right. Let's change the questioning up a little bit now. So how about advice that you would offer to a high school level athlete who wants to compete collegiately? The number one thing is consistency by far, because Mm -hmm. everyone lifts weights. Everyone tries to eat to gain weight. Everyone will sleep a lot because they know they need to, but almost no one does those things consistently without fail. Okay. And most of the time, if you're trying to make an impact on your athletic trajectory, being consistent will outpace, even if you're consistent with a plan or a program that isn't the absolute best thing, if you're consistent with it over time, it'll outpace someone who has the best setup, the perfect program, but they only do it two times a week or they only do it when they feel like it. Well, there's you're right on. You're right on. And there's a there's a you know an age old story about the tortoise and the hare. Uh, Are you familiar with that story? Right? Uh, Yes, sir. Right. The 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 hare was you know blazing fast and Mm -hmm. and clearly could beat the tortoise in any race. But the tortoise was Mm -hmm. consistent, and ultimately the tortoise won the race because he was consistent at his pace and never stopped to take a break. And ended up winning while the, the hair thought he had it, had it made because he had all the tools needed to win. But yeah. he was inconsistent in the way he applied the speed and he lost. Right. So well, and this, exactly and this right. is one of the things that I try to work with, with my high school athletes where you talk about where we talk about the mental side of things. It's hard. It's hard for a teenager to think about long term because to them, 
long term. I mean, I'm 32. You're slightly older. Hey, I'm going to be 56 uh, (laughs) in December, baby. (laughs) So six months to us feels different than six months to a 14 year old. The 14 year old wasn't even really processing the world around him until he was, you know, he's only been alive for 14 years, but he's really only been thinking since he was about five or six. And so yeah. six months to him feels like a long time. When yeah, six months for me is tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so, you know, if you just tell like, Oh, be consistent or don't, you know, whatever, whatever that, they they receive the message, but they receive the message to the extent of how they process it. And they process consistency in a long time, meaning a month, a couple months. Right. And having that consistency and doing the things you're supposed to um, plays out in different ways, because sometimes um, they need that perspective of, let's say, OK, be consistent. OK, I train all the time. But sometimes it also means being consistent with the way that you approach training because they may do squats with me and it's under control. We go heavy, but not if our form is bad. Well, then they go to school and everyone's trying to throw up a new PR or get a heavier weight. And if they sacrifice their form to get a heavier weight, it could be under the guise of, well, I'm being consistent and I'm training hard, but it's not just the the act of training. It's the thought process that you take to training, which is, no, I'm not going to hurt myself or potentially hurt myself just to get a new number. Because then that, if you hurt yourself, then you end up having to take time off, which takes you out of being consistent with your efforts. Yeah, that's right on. And that goes back to your core training philosophy of, hey, I, you need your recovery time. You need to have a plan, yeah. right? And that's right. and that goes back to what we're talking about here is that, you know, it, ultimately, if you're an athlete that that wants to get serious about your performance, you, you want to be as good as you possibly can be through maximizing nutrition, maximizing exercise, maximizing your mental approach, you know, then then the right decision is to engage with a, you know, a professional certified trainer like Jordan that can help you achieve your goals and not saying it's going to get you drafted. Um, right. You know, if the athleticism is there and the potential is there, potentially, maybe possibly. Right. But, um, but definitely working with a, a certified, you know, personal athletic trainer like Jordan could get you as close to your goals as possible with the right, right work ethic. So um, it's awesome. All right. Um, If you could go back to your 18 year old self, what advice would you give to yourself? Don't don't sacrifice your health in pursuit of your goals. I think that's what I would tell myself. That's that's powerful. Yeah, not. Yeah, that's that's what I would say. And not just from a I hurt myself to be better at basketball. Um there was a long stretch when I was training that I'm proud of what I did when I was training, but I didn't really take care of myself in, in the name of trying to work hard. And so I would leave the gym at close to midnight and then I would show back up at the gym at like four fifteen in the morning yep. and yeah, you can do it. And maybe there are nights where that needs to happen randomly, but 
setting that up as a consistent schedule isn't sustainable and, and, uh, it, it, it wears on your health after a little while. And so not sacrificing that because even if you succeed in the athletic goals or you succeed in the career goals or whatever, it's, uh, <laughs> it's not, if you're not feeling good, you're not going to enjoy it. Yeah. It's like, well, uh, like I tell, I tell my guys, it's like, you could have the fanciest vacation in the private Island, got the nicest yacht, get the coolest jet skis and hoverboards and all the things. But if you got <laughs> stomach bug and you're throwing up, you don't care where you are that you're not going to enjoy any of it. You're right. You're right. Well, and, and, you know, that statement you made, don't sacrifice your health in pursuit of your goals. Um, you know, there's, there's a portion of that's tied to nutrition. There's a portion that's tied to, um, exercise. There's a portion tied to your mental outlook, right? There's a portion tied to your recovery. Um, there's also a portion tied to, you know, there's shortcuts that people can take, um, you know, could be steroids, could be human growth hormone, all those things. But, but mm. as you know, there are, there's a price to pay for using those things as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I look at that in the way of do it, do things the right way. And, and, you know, uh, you know, there is no shortcuts to success, whether that's in your career, whether that's in your, you know, strength training and athleticism and physicality. I mean, you've got to, you've got to follow the process. You've got to be consistent. And, mm-hmm. you know, if it, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Right. Right. Well, and if you take those short, the shortcuts always catch up with you in one way or another, but specifically talking about like steroids or some sort of performance enhancing thing, uh, a lot of times like that is more available and used than I think the common person knows Mm -hmm. in strength and conditioning world. But um, obviously None of our athletes and all of that I have to say that none of our athletes. And if we happen to catch a hint of it or whatever, then that person no longer trains with us, all of those things. But you hear stories of people that, that it, it goes around. Well, what I will say is it not just catches up with you from a standpoint of your health later on in life. But I think it's sometimes if you take shortcuts it may take you to a different place than where you were supposed to be in the first place. Mm-hmm. So a stereotypical story is maybe you have this baseball player who's a junior college baseball player. He starts taking these supplements and or performance enhancing drugs because he's not being tested. Then all of a sudden he develops in a quick shortcut kind of way, but then he ends up going to some big college because now he's a better player. Well, he goes to that bigger college and now they test for those things. And then his body coming off of those substances reverts to lower than what it was before he even started taking those substances. And then now he's no longer able to compete at the same level as he was when he was on those substances. And he's completely changed the direction of his life to go to a college that he won't be able to stay at. Yep. That's what that's very well stated. Right. And, and I will tell you. Um, I, I am aware that, I mean, a lot of junior colleges are testing now, um, 
and, and testing their athletes, yeah. you know, and it's right. important because there's there's long term health ramifications for for taking the shortcut and using steroids or HGH. And, you know, I mean, there's there's a proper use medically for those things when prescribed for a doctor, but it's right. not for for strength training. It's right for health reasons. Exactly. And uh, you just don't don't fall for those shortcuts. It's just going to end up biting you in the backside and, and, uh, you know, do the work, be consistent, engage with a, you know, professional trainer like Jordan, uh, who, who understands their business, understands their athletes and can help you achieve your goals. Um, shortcuts just don't work. And if they sound too good to be true, they probably are. Mm-hmm. All right, we're going to move into our time for our rapid fire brains and brawn segment. You are the brains, Jordan. I'm the brawn. So I'm going to ask you five quick questions and you provide me with some quick answers. Number one, All right. what is your favorite movie? Uh, Braveheart. Excellent choice. What is your greatest accomplishment? Getting married. Ah, there you go. That's a great answer. <laughs> hey, what's your wife's name, by the way? Jill. Jill. Very good. Jill. He is a lucky guy. All right. <laughs> you got that right. <laughs> I outkick my coverage. That's it. Well, I look forward to meeting Jill one day and, and I'll validate that. And I'm sure it's probably true. Yeah, it is. All right. Number three. What is a goal that you are still chasing? Staying married. That's another <laughs> fine answer. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, no, a goal, uh, uh, writing a book. Really? Yeah, I'm actually, I'm working on it right now. And what, what's it going to be on? Well, okay. It's, it's, it's not an official like novel and, or here's all the deep insides of training or anything like that. It's more so of, Uh, Like you talk about the conversations that I have with my athletes in the weight room, we develop those relationships. And so when they go off to college, we don't get to see each other talk near as much. And so what I did for one of my athletes a long time ago is I wrote him a bunch of note cards. Some of them had like little funny stories on them from my life. Some of them had like little uh, thoughts of the day. And some of them was like a real deep spiritual thing with like a lesson behind it. And, uh, and I gave those to him and I was like, when you're feeling homesick, when you wish you could come see me, when you're just kind of having a bad day, you just take out one of the note cards and read it. And so the book that I've been working on is each day is just kind of like one of those sayings, quotes, uh, little stories, little learning lessons, perspectives, things like that. And then it's just a new one every day. And so my goal is to have 365 of them. And right now I'm up to 24. And so it's a work well, in keep, progress. Hey, keep working on that. I'm, I'm actually reading three books right now. And wow. I would read that book that you just talked about. So for sure, get to work, get to work on that. Yeah. I, I am. I am. I'm, I'm excited about it. It's 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 going pretty well. Uh, it's not, it's not going to be like a crazy seller or nothing like that, but it's just something I can have on hand to when I have these relationships with my guys. And as time goes, like when they graduate, I could I could give them the book, you know, I love that's it. kind of the that's main awesome. Goal. Keep me updated on that. All right. Yes, sir. Number four, if you could spend the day with anyone past or present, who would that be? 
honestly, uh, it's not a very inventive answer, but I would say my papa. Uh, I'm, I'm blessed to still have all of my grandparents alive, except for my papa, my dad's dad. And, uh, I would just, I was real close with him, but I would want to be able to spend a day with him to, um, one, cause I miss him, but then two, just kind of show him how things have turned out and, uh, be able to share that share that experience with him in that moment with him. That's really cool. And I know he would be very, very proud of what you've accomplished and the impact that you're making on others. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Okay. Number five, where's your favorite place to travel or visit? So my parents have a cabin in in Colorado and it's like on top of a mountain. Their house is at like 8,000 feet. Uh, and so uh, I try to go there at least once a year if not more and uh, but when I go there it's it's really awesome it's they live in the mountains uh, all year round yeah they live there year round yes sir now Um, wow yeah we're from Mississippi but that was actually one of their dreams is to go uh, build a cabin and live out there so they live out now it's i say cabin it's it's a very nice like it has all the amenities hot tub oh, yeah. the, the, you know all the stuff but um now, but yeah, they live of, is it like southwestern or like what, what uh, part of colorado south southeastern so you okay. have like colorado springs close to it an hour and a half away from colorado springs it's a little bitty town called westcliff um has like a thousand people but it's middle of nowhere which makes it awesome because it's not very touristy and so when you want to go out and we're going to go hike these trails or we're going to go ride the four wheelers on this mountain or whatever there's not a lot of people there and then at night the area where they live is actually a dark sky preserve so yeah. the town and the homes aren't allowed to have a certain amount of light coming from them so at night every single night you can see stars you can see shooting stars you can see like different galaxies or you can uh, see the milky way and how it creates that illusion of you know different galaxies and all that that's fantastic. And I can tell you, there's some world-class fly fishing about an hour west, 60 to 90 minutes west of Colorado Springs. And so that's got to be close to where your parents are. Uh, yeah, absolutely amazing fly fishing. Yeah. Yeah. Not the exact same place, but it's around there. And that's part of my uh, my daddy. He's the big outdoorsman. He'll go hunting. But also he takes people fly fishing uh, as kind of like, like just a little – uh, it's so not really cool. a side hustle. He just does it for fun, but oh, yeah, yeah. call it a side hustle. That is awesome. That is awesome. Very cool. Well, thank you for sharing. And, um, do you have any final thoughts for our audience today as we wrap the discussion? It was more, probably more of a story. Um, probably my most memorable story and event that's happened with me, but it's also a final thought kind of for our listeners is, I don't remember the years, probably about five, five years ago, maybe six years ago, something like that. Um, I was struggling with the training. Um, It wasn't really picking up like I wanted it to. I wasn't having a lot of financial success. Um, But I still I never felt like I needed to be anywhere else. I still felt like I needed to be here and I was doing what I was supposed to um, and it would all work out. 
But at that time, I was not having a ton of financial success. And then as life does, a bunch of life things hit me all at once. You know, uh, truck repairs, dental cavity, blah, blah, all the things that all hit you. And real world takes money sometimes. Well, I was down. I was down on funds and I had negative $37 in my bank account. (laughs) And that's all I had. And I was going home for Christmas. Um, Now, again, preface this by saying I had my family. If I needed them, they would have been there to help. But I wanted to do it on my own. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had negative $37 in my bank account. And I was I was going to train my last two clients and go home for Christmas. And I was going to like sell my PlayStation and take that gas money, go home. Right. Um, I trained those last two clients and both of those clients, just as just a little happy, got me a Christmas present. And each of them gave me like. $50. And so I I immediately took the money, took it to the bank, put it in there. And then I had, you know, I was back in the positive and I had enough money to get home for gas. And then obviously Christmas got a little Christmas money. And then from there wasn't in that situation again. But I think sometimes whether it's sports or career, the present circumstance can sometimes blind you from the future calling and the future benefit of that present circumstance and being connected to deeper things than just, Oh, money's a little tight right now, or, Oh, I'm not having a ton of success right now, but being connected to something deeper from a standpoint of being called to do this or for me personally, my faith and realizing that my prayer life kept me focused on knowing if I should be somewhere else or stay where I am, gave me the confidence and the ability to look past that present situation. Jordan, that is powerful. Thanks for throwing that on us. That is really, really, really powerful. Yeah. I appreciate it. It was love it. It was, I love it. Yep. That's uh, when you're going through trying times, sometimes you just have to make it to tomorrow and Mm -hmm. uh, you know, solutions will come. This too shall pass, right? This too shall pass. Uh, It's never as bad as it feels at the moment. Uh, Just, just give it time. And there are, you've got to believe in your core that there are better days ahead. And, and there will be, there absolutely will yes, be. Sir. So yes, absolutely sir. awesome. Well, Jordan, thank you again for this memorable conversation. I appreciate your insights and I'm sure our listeners will as well. If any of our listeners would like to connect with you, what are the best ways to do so? So I have uh, my email may be the best way. Um, it's Jordan at dynamic sports um, and then I also have the social media that, um, Twitter, um, Instagram, and it's DST Jordan or DST underscore Jordan, um, for those. Okay. Fantastic. E- emails, emails, the best way to reach out and then we can exchange phone numbers and get connected that way. Fantastic. And for any of our listeners, this information for Jordan will be posted on our guests 
page on the Brawny Conversations podcast website. So you can look up the information there as well. And uh, that's a wrap for today's Brawny Conversations podcast. Special thanks to our guest, Jordan Ainsworth. And I also want to thank each of you for choosing to listen to this podcast. New episodes are posted each month. So please remember to follow us and let us help you shorten your learning curve. Have a great day, everyone. You have been listening to the Brawny Conversations podcast. Thank you for choosing to spend time with us today. And please subscribe to the podcast to receive our latest episodes and give us a follow on social media. New episodes are now in production and we can't wait to share them with you. Pursue your passions and help others along the way. Have a great day and thank you for listening.